a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Have you completely dedicated every part of yourself to And I said, well, what's the answer? And she says, that's the trouble. The answer is always no. I said, well, let's ask the question a different way. Has Jesus given everything for you? Has he dedicated his whole life to you? Has he invited you into his heart? And the answer to that is a glorious and gracious and conscious, freeing, comforting yes. Uh, only then we, we hear the gospel, that Jesus Christ came to earth, uh, was born of a Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life uh, in our place, and died the death that we deserved, took on the full wrath of God. All that was done for us so that we could be called righteous and holy in the eyes of God. That's not going to help with the who wants to date a seminarian hotline right there. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Table Talk Radio, everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. I'm Evan Gigline, and here with pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Hey! Uh, what do we have on the, the uh, list for today, for today's Table Talk Radio? Well, we have the first up. We are going to play. Who wants to be a theologian? All right, I do. I do. And then, um, well, we see you kind of. You got our <laughs> lifeline is going to be Matt Harrison, but we got to pretend like that's a secret sort of thing. <laughs> and then, uh, so he'll come on. And then we've invented a new game called Name That LCMS Church President. <laughs> oh boy! I don't know anyone that'll be able to successfully play that game except for Matt Harrison. So we'll see if he, maybe he'll come on as a lifeline, top secret. That's right. And, I uh, uh, yeah, that's that. that's good. Okay, um, and then maybe some law gospel if we have time. Who if knows? We have some time. Who knows? We're we're willing to to let the spirit lead today. <laughs> that's right. So first up is this game. Who wants to be a theologian? Anyone out there? Anyone? Oh, anyone? Who me? Me, please, me. Oh, but we got to start with our buzzwords. I even forgot about the buzzwords. Oh, I'll go yeah. first. I'll go first, so you can have a little bit of time uh, to think of one. My yes. theological buzzword for you is Latin, since you like Latin words so much. I do. It's uh, "picasse non picare," which means uh, uh, possible not to sin. And that was the the status of man in the Garden of Eden alone. That it was possible for. Adam and Eve not to sin, having uh, not not yet sinned, um, but now uh, today uh, we are non picasse non picare, you know, not possible not to sin. So, so we uh, who are, are have original sin, been uh, sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, uh, ha- have uh, a broken, uh, um, a sinful flesh, an original sin, which always causes us to sin. And one day uh, in Christ, we'll be in heaven, and we'll be non picasse picare. Uh, not possible to sin. So, Picasso nice. non picari is your is your Latin phrase for buzzword. Very good. And I uh, t- totally forgot to get a buzzword for you. So this is what I'm going to do. I'll make you a deal. I'm going to listen to you very closely. And if you use a good theological word, then I'll give you 500 points for it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> why? Why did you do any show prep for today? No. I, gosh, are you kidding me? <laughs> I should have about 200 pages to, in 10 minutes to get ready for this thing. Just like the days of seminary, huh? 
I did do some show prep for this first game that we're playing. Who wants to be a theologian? So I'm waiting for you to ask for the first question. I was trying to remember, though, you there's certain levels to this game. Uh, you start out as a vicar. And then you, after the first question, if you get it right, you go to being a peasant, a serf, a slave, indentured servant, right? Mm-hmm. And then after that, if you get the second question right, you go to being a monk. And if you get the third question right, you get to go to be a reformer. And if you get the fourth question, you get to be excommunicated, Luther style. Is that true? That is right. All right. So, that's, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. Uh, the first question. What does the word Advent mean? A, coming. B, going. C, I like my buffalo wings boneless. <laughs> I do like my buffalo wings boneless. Uh, that Going out for wings is, is a favorite seminarian pastime. And um, a bunch of my friends make fun of me because I get the boneless wings. And they say, you know, you're not a, a real seminarian if you don't get boned wings. Really? Is that a mark of a seminarian is you got to pick all the meat off the bone? Well, kind of like I mean, of the hun? my friends have to be prideful of something, so it's their wings and whatever. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go uh, – I don't I don't think it's C then as much as I like wings. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, it's not going. So I'm going to – the only one left to guess then is A, uh, coming. Uh, and Is that right? That's right. A, Advent – it comes from the uh, Advenio – which means Latin to come. Right. And so we, we uh, in Advent, the season of Advent, uh, look forward to the, the coming uh, of Christ in, in, uh, in Christmas. Uh, but also, uh, Advent refers to all the comings of our Lord, so coming on the last day as well. Yeah, that's right. In fact, we see the, the threefold coming of Christ in, celebrated in the season of Advent, that he came in, in the incarnation, in the womb of the Virgin Mary. That's Christmas. He, he came. He continues to come to us in the word and sacraments. And that he is coming again. And so we have Jesus who was, is, and is to come, uh, like uh, the book of Revelation gives it to us. And all three of these, this is the highlight of the season of Advent as, we, as we're as we ramping up now to Christmas, is that our Lord Jesus came for us, continues to come to us, and will come again for us. All right. So I am now a peasant, off, off from that status of vicar. Congratulations. That's a huge move, <laughs> by the way. That's uh, like traveling from the Earth to old. Mars. I know it. I can hear these jokes all day. Yeah, don't you love it? <laughs> Only what? How many more months of being a vicar? Seven, eight? Yeah. It's and then you've got to be downgraded again to being a, uh, <laughs> seminarian. Being a seminarian. Wait, 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 so vicar is, is an upgrade from seminarian? I don't know. They're pr- I mean, it's kind of like... <laughs> I don't know. This is coming but, from the lowly pastor. <laughs> that's right. It's so far down there, you can't see if, the difference. If, anyone's, like, uh, if anyone knows lowliness, it's you. <laughs> it's like when you're riding in the airplane, and you say, is that a street or a, a river? That's kind of how it is for looking down at <laughs> vicar versus seminarian. All right, question number two, though. You Does this most, uh, joke also never grow old about how you should have gone on and on and on about it, vicar style? Yeah, yeah, that never gets old. Yeah, good. Number two, <laughs> fill in the blank. Jesus will come again to... A, secretly zap all the Christians off the earth so that he can finish his business with the bloodline of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that is, the people of Israel. B, set up a millennial kingdom in which he will sit on the rebuilt throne of David and attend animal sacrifices in the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem for 1,000 years, at which point he will resurrect everyone who died before the secret rapture and judge all people, ushering in the eternal state. 
or C, judge the living and the dead. Hmm. Hmm. I see. I thought you were you were going to give me easy ones, uh, and I <laughs> I really don't know. But I have this rule about eschatology that usually the shortest one is the one that's true. So I'm going to apply that rule to this one and go with C. Is that is that right? That is right. Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead. That is a good the kind of Occam's razor eschatological version. The simplest is the best. Yeah, this secretly zap all Christians off the earth so he can finish his business with Israel. That's the dispensational rapture idea, which is nowhere in the Bible. Uh, the second one, to set up a millennial kingdom, that's a bad reading of Revelation chapter 20. Um, a terrible reading, really, of the text. And also is a is a dispensational or maybe a, uh, a premillennial uh, interpretation of the text. But none of these are found in the Scripture. What we do know in the Scriptures is that when Jesus comes again, he will come at any moment, and he will come uh, for the, to bring the resurrection and the judgment. He will judge the quick and the dead. Well, and uh, that's—actually, I knew that because we confess that every, every Sunday in the Creed. That's so right. I don't remember all those other parts in the Creed. He will. How would that be if it's in the creed <laughs> and in Jesus Christ, who will secretly zap all Christians off the earth, <laughs> so that he can rescue the people of Israel after three and a half years of a blissful, uh, great tribulation, and then when the uh, when the president of the European Union goes and consecrate <laughs> desecrates the temple, and uh, that'd be terrible the... because we the church would have to learn where to make the the appropriate pauses and all that. You ever notice the church <laughs> always pauses at the right? I do. You, when you say something, when you say the same thing for two thousand years, you know you get you get used to it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. I'm I'm now uh, a monk, right? Uh, yes, and now you are about to be a reformer. Uh, if you get this right, question three: John the Baptist was famous for preaching a repent, b recharge, <laughs> c refinance. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go, I think, with A, repent. Repent. That, that Doesn't was a that sound like a name of a sermon at some evangelical <laughs> church? Repent, recharge, refinance. <laughs> I think I heard that sermon on Sunday. I haven't uh, <laughs> I, I, I should I should announce I wasn't at my my vicarage congregation on Sunday just to clarify it wasn't that. yeah he was out uh, in the evangelical wilderness <laughs> yeah I was <laughs> so okay. what was your answer by the way uh, repent a is that your final answer final answer you're right okay. <laughs> well we have one minute left yeah is there one more question one more question Uh-oh. that's right okay. Here we go. so just to review quickly the two parts of repentance are contrition and faith so the law works sorrow for our sin. Uh, and the gospel works, or the the gospel comes and gives us faith in the promise of forgiveness. Okay, here's your last question: What is the Greek word for compassion, and how does its use in the New Testament inform our practice today? Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. Uh, do I have any options? A, B. Yeah, or C? you can call your lifeline. You can call your mother. You can call your pastor, <laughs> or you can call the head of LCMS Human Care and World Relief. Uh, I'm gonna go that route. I think he might know a thing or two about mercy. So, tell you what, I'm gonna take a break to think about it, though, and we'll be right back to finish up. Uh, name that? Oh no, who wants to be a theologian? I'll be right back. <laughs>
Talk Radio. The games are just an excuse. Hey, hey, it's Evan Gigline. You know, in addition to the podcast we produce for Table Talk Radio, we also have Table Scraps in which we have additional interviews. Well, I want to tell you about Table Scraps Live. That's right. We're going to be coming to you live on January the 3rd, and our guest will be Dr. Charles Jackson of Creation Truth Foundation talking about evolution and creation science. We'll be coming to you live through piratechristianradio.com. That's January the 3rd, a Sunday evening, 8 to 9 Central Time. So tune in to Table Scraps Live with Evan Gigline and Dr. Charles Jackson through piratechristianradio.com. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio in the middle of playing Who Wants to Be a Theologian? And I have a tough question ahead of me. Uh, Pastor, will you read that question again for me? Yeah, I don't know why that music, even though this is just a big joke, that music still gets me worked up. It gets me excited. <laughs> this, the question you have before you is, what is the Greek word for compassion, and how does its use in the New Testament inform our practice today? So you can answer that question, you can go to the lifeline, whatever you want. Here. Well, I'll tell you what, this, this is a stumper for me. So I'm going to use my lifeline, and uh, on the line we have uh, Reverend Matt Harrison. He's a director of LCMS World Relief and Human Care and author of the brand new book, at Home in the House of My Fathers, Presidential Sermons, Essays, Letters, and Addresses from the Missouri Synod's Great Era of Unity and Growth. Uh, Pastor Matt Harrison, thank you for joining us on Table Talk Radio. My pleasure. All right. Do you have any idea? Can you help me out with this question? Do you know what the answer is? Well, of course. Uh, the noun is splachna, and the verb is splachnizomai. Oh, very good. What's part two of that question again, the, Pastor? How, how does the use in the New Testament of this word inform our practice in the church today? What, in other words, can we learn today about how this word is used? And you want Harrison to answer that? Yes. Yeah, Please. Evan Please. doesn't have any. He Please. doesn't have any idea well, about great, this. Uh, he, it's a great <laughs> New Testament word. I took a look in the Gospels, and it's used mostly and almost exclusively of Jesus and. It's a word that uh, is an onomatopoeia, that is a word that sounds like what it means. And so when the vowels were cut out of a sacrifice in the ancient pagan world or in uh, the ancient uh, Jewish world, they were thrown on the floor and uh, made a huge splat. And uh, so it came to, came to be called splachna. It's the vowels, the innards the uh, spleen, the lungs, etc. And uh, it comes in the New Testament time to being compassion, especially of Jesus. So he saw that they were a sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion on them. And he said, pray the Lord of the harvest, send workers. Uh, when a blind man comes to Jesus, or the woman with the flow of blood, uh, he turns around and says, uh, the text says, he had compassion on her. And uh, he healed the woman. So it's a, it's a great word. It's always followed, uh, also in Jesus, it's always followed by action. He never simply feels sorry for somebody and walks on. He always acts. 
Very good. Well, I, uh, Pastor, I agree with, with what he said. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That means you are right. And that means, by the way, that you have gone from being, uh, what is it, a reformer to being excommunicated now. So you, have, thanks to uh, Pastor Harrison, have reached the level of excommunication. Yeah, Congratulations. Luther style, your, though, right? The Luther style excommunication. Right. Luther okay. style excommunication. Good. Well, now we're going to play this game, Name That LCMS President. That's that's right. And I, you mentioned, Evan, that um, Pastor Harrison has written this book uh, at home in the house of my father's, which is a, a collected um, uh, a book of collection of sermons, essays, letters, and addresses. So we got Matt on the line to play. The, now, the way this will work, uh, Pastor Harrison, is I'm going to read uh, one or two or three, probably I'll go three quotations uh, from some writing from some LCMS church father, and then you can guess who they are, and available to you, by the way, uh, are 200 points for each right answer. <laughs> this is like so, the old so, Drew Carey show where the, uh, point, the, the questions are made up and the points don't matter? That's exactly right. <laughs> the, po- the points matter not at all. Well, uh, good, because uh, I find, uh, like Luther, as I get older, my head is like a dull knife and it won't cut anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Evan can help you out. If, if, you, if, if you don't know who the president is, I'm sure Evan will know. Oh, He'll brother. recognize yeah. this. <laughs> All right. Well. Here, here we go. Here is, our first, uh, here is our first president to guess. Our first quotation goes like this. Now we will make the necessary application from what we have heard to ourselves. We, dear hearers, have had in our synod God's word and grace for a long time. For over 80 years it has been proclaimed purely and clearly in our churches and schools. God has rained upon us streams of love. Precisely the celebration of the Augsburg Confession reminds us that the Lord with outstretched arms led us out of the servitude of the papacy through Luther. We must not become secure. Hear the warning that our text directs towards us. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. There's your first quotation. All right, you well, I would say that is uh, Friedrich Fotenhauer, my favorite. Hey, you don't even need quote two and three. Uh, that is true, <laughs> Fotenhauer. Tell us about uh, 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 President Fotenhauer, if you would. Well, he's known as Fody, uh, affectionately. Fotenhauer was, of course, the last German-born president of the Missouri Senate. He was, Senate. He was born, I think, uh, in the 50s, maybe 1852 or so, and uh, ended up studying in Staden. After the Missouri Synod broke with Wilhelm Lea, Lea was sending a lot of students over who would finish their education in Fort Wayne. I think he ended up sending all of about 200. But after the break with Lea in the mid-50s, then another uh, individual stepped to the fore in a putting together what's called, what was called a pro-seminar, a pre-seminary. And at uh, Staden, his name was Brunn, B-R-U-N-N, and Fody Fotenhauer was a student who was educated initially there and then sent over to America. Now he and, he's uh, writing a sermon here and he's preaching about this uh, the gospel's like a cloud. This idea that from from Luther's quote that uh, uh, that the gospel like a storm cloud will move over a place and will never come back. And he's warning that this could be true for us. Now what's what's the point there? It's a great 
reference to Martin Luther. Luther said the gospel, and when he looked at history, the gospel comes, and it's like a fahrende Platzregen, a passing rain shower. And so the rain, the wonderful uh, rain of the gospel, rains in a place for but the lifetime or more of a man. And then because of unthankfulness and unrepentance, it passes on. All our all the Missouri, early Missourians knew this quotation. They all they all referenced it, and in the midst of challenges, they always called the church to repentance. So Fotenhauer says in that very piece that uh, you know we are not. This was in about 1930 or so. We are not what our fathers were. We don't know the Bible like our fathers did. We don't know the Lutheran confessions. We don't uh, know Christianity like they did, and the remedy for us, uh, whose hearts are going growing cold, is repentance. And that's a very, that's a very strong theme in Lutheranism. And in fact, uh, you know, those are the first words that came out of John the Baptist's mouth: "Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand." And first public words out of Jesus' mouth were the same. And Luther's first theses in the 95 Theses was uh, when our Lord and Master says repent he wills that the entire life of the christian be one of repentance so the call to repentance is always the deepest and most sincere call for renewal in the church nice yeah evan actually had that question on who that was his third question on who wants to be a theologian john the baptist was famous for preaching a repent b recharge or c refinance and he almost missed it. <laughs> I didn't want to use my lifeline to the last one, though, so I got it well, right. Well, that recharge is a pretty good one. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's always money lurking around in in the church that needs is being handled in ways that need to be repented of. So the money changers in the temple, they were charging people a fortune for exchanging their foreign currencies. had to be exchanged only in the temple. And uh, at a confiscatory rate, which was benefiting the bureaucracy, and so Jesus called for repentance there, and something similar was happening with the indulgence trade at the time of Luther. Yeah, there you go. Isn't it that, that the there's always this um, temptation to charge for the gospel, to charge for the Lord's gifts? Yeah. <laughs> now, what about? What about this, what Fotenhauer says? Um, I mean, you, you see this theme then throughout the, the history of the Missouri Synod, this kind of constant awareness that there's a danger that the gospel will pass us by as well, and then we'll just be this kind of unholy wasteland uh, burnt over uh, where, where the Holy Spirit is left and the gospel isn't having sway. I mean, is this what they're worried about? Well, they came out of a situation which was uh, terrible. Lutheranism had suffered a number of different movements, pietism, which uh, replaces sort of doctrinal certainty and the centrality of teaching and doctrine with piety and feelings, and uh, doctrine then becomes secondary because how do I know I'm a Christian? I feel it. How do I know another person is a Christian? I feel that he's got a warmth of heart for Jesus. And so doctrine comes to be in divisions between doctrinal um, sections of Christianity become immaterial. Unfortunately, that was followed immediately in the 18th century by rationalism, which uh, put, uh, which was kind of in various forms, deism, that is God created the universe, wound it up, and stepped away, and therefore uh, miracles and those kind of things don't happen. And 
in fact never happened and Christianity simply becomes morality. And uh, then the Prussian Union in 1817 decreed both on the basis of pietism and rationalism that the differences between Lutherans and Reformed Christians were important. The presence of Christ in the sacrament, pastor's absolution, and many other things. And uh, Christianity is fundamentally morality. And so they came from a renewal of uh, genuine Lutheranism in the midst of that muck, and they knew full well the hearts of men and women and how it is not only possible, but given the history of the church, it's probable that the church will forsake. Let's take a break right there and be right back with Matthew Harrison on Table Talk Radio. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Never imitated, never duplicated. It's time once again for the Pensacola Blind Mission. They're having a special Christmas meeting on Saturday, December 19th at 4.45 p.m. That's at Emmanuel Lutheran Church, 24 Wright Street in Pensacola, Florida. Reservations are required by Thursday, December the 17th. For reservations, call 457-3039. Once again, that's Pensacola Lutheran Blind Mission at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Pensacola, Florida. The number to RSVP, 457-3039. La, love John Mellencamp, he's really a kiss. St. Olaf and Rebellion Bergen, Gustavus Adolphus, 89 and 1992's Miss America. Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, William Rehnquist, we swear it comes. Bruce Willis, Lonnie Anderson, and David Hasselhoff, and William Hurt, and William H. Macy, and Chris Christopherson, our Lutheran, and on the late night TV screen. And director could tell somebody what does this mean. mean? Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, everybody's favorite theological game show. Uh, we are uh, playing. We are in the middle of this game. LCM, name that LCMS president. We have uh, Matt Harrison uh, on the line with us, uh, and he is the contestant for this game. So far, Matt, by the way, before Evan so rudely interrupted you going into the previous break, you got 200 points for the right answer, Fotenhauer, and 200 points for the explanation, giving you a total of 400 points. Hey, that's, uh, that's thrilling. Marvelous work. We're gonna. I, I hope you donate these points to the work of LCMS World Relief and Human Care when we're done with the show. Yeah, we'll be... certainly do that. <laughs> we're up with another president now. I have three quotes again I can give to you, and you have to uh, guess which early president of the Missouri Senate said these following things. First, evangelical practice endeavors indeed to prepare the way for the operations of the gospel by the law but it does not endeavor to aid the gospel in its real function by the law, since it expects the fruits of the Spirit to be produced solely by the gospel. It is willing to wait for them, too. Uh, so that's the first quote. Now, I'd, I'd like maybe to give a little explanation. What, what does this mean, that the evangelical practice prepares the way for the gospel by the law, but does not attempt to aid the gospel by the law? So you want to know who said it and what it means? Well, I, well you got to hold off and uh, let the tension build a little bit, and you can just uh, tell us a little bit about the quotation perhaps first. Yeah, well, the, 
great art of being a Christian is to be able to distinguish between two things in the Bible, the whole Bible. What does God demand and command, and what does God give? And there are all kinds of demands all over the Bible. Uh, but the point of the law is, as Paul said, the law is given so that the whole, every mouth be stopped and the whole world be held accountable to God. So Jesus will say these radical things in the Sermon on the Mount, like if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Or if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Well, uh, his point is not that uh, people should go around maiming themselves. His point is, if you're honest about it, uh, you can you, you can absolutely realize that there is no way to fulfill God's law. And even even when your hands do the right thing, your feet take you in the right place, which is often not the case. Your mind is thinking the wrong thought. So Jesus says. Uh, whoever lusts after a woman has committed adultery with her in his heart. James says uh, he who is guilty of breaking the law at one point is guilty of the whole thing. So the law, I always like to say it says what it, it meant what it says and said what it meant. It damns every one of us 100%. And the whole point of the law is to chase us. And by the way, it's the natural way. It's called the old opinion Opinio legis, the opinion of the law. Every one of us thinks that we can earn God's favor somehow, or if we do something, we can get God to to uh, do what we want. There was a famous uh, uh, backfield player in uh, defensive back here in St. Louis several years ago when the Rams began their ignominious fall into oblivion when they lost the second Super Bowl. He said, if you're faithful and obedient to God, God will be faithful and obedient to you. Oops. Well, uh, I can talk about my dog that way, but not God that way. So the law drives us to Jesus. And Jesus, it, the law drives us, damns us, kills us, says, look, you're nothing. You're nothing but a beggar. And you notice in the New Testament, every time a beggar says, Lord, have mercy, Kyrie eleison, which is a very famous Greek part of the old liturgy, which is so famous. Many songs have been, even secular songs, have had those words in it. Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. The person that comes to Jesus only asking for mercy always goes away, hands full. And so the point of the gospel, then, is simply to deliver God's good gifts of forgiveness and life and salvation to us. And a lot of times, if, we, if people aren't acting the way we want them to act, we think we can just uh, gin them up and tell them and command them to do stuff or manipulate them or promise uh, all kind of things. If, if you only pray the right way, then you'll never have any illness. Or if you, uh, if you give enough money, then God will make you a millionaire. Or if you do this or that, then you're, you're going to have a, a life without illness without any troubles of health, wealth, and prosperity. Well, that's all a bunch of rubbish. God promises us forgiveness in Christ. And then uh, he promises to bless us in many and various ways, but he often blesses in a, in a remarkable way by the cross that is suffering and afflictions and challenges so that in our weaknesses we say, when I am weak, 
then I am strong because then I'm hanging on to Jesus. So the idea here with that unevangelical practice is using the law to try to motivate or manipulate people rather than using it in its pure form to get straight to our need for the gospel, uh, that we are sinners and it's not possible for us not to sin, uh, that we that we are doing nothing but sinning all the yeah, time. You know, you hear a lot of sermons which talk about one sin or another sin and tell us not to sin so much and tell us that, well, if you uh, are really a Christian, you'll... You, you eventually will sin a lot less, and uh, things will go better for you. Well, uh, we may or may not sin more or less in egregious outward fashion. However, under the law, all of our righteous deeds are as filthy rags, says Isaiah. And think about this. What's the, the most wonderful thing you can do as a, a Christian is give somebody something, but right away, just... And this happens at Christmas time like no other time of the year. You pick out a gift for somebody, you give it to them, and if that person does not respond in the way that you think that person ought to respond to your generosity, you're immediately hacked off and angry. <laughs> well, tell me then, uh, how pure were your motives of giving? It just reveals you, us all, to be wretched, damned, self-centered sinners, always with an ulterior motive going on. That's why St. Paul is so comforting in Romans 7. He says, The good that I would I do not, and that which I don't want to do I keep on doing, O wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death. So Paul says, God justifies, declares not guilty, the unrighteous. And Jesus says, I came not for the righteous, but for sinners. So you better always, as Luther says, don't waste time denying your sins and make sure you're always a sinner because only sinners get Jesus. Nice. I have one more quotation from this particular LCMS that president. and you can... by the way, was from 1862, oh. <laughs> uh, thesis on unevangelical practice by Schwann. Oh, man, you don't even need this. Of the misery Senate. You don't even need the second quote. He H. also says... C. Schwann, he, he was called Algemeine Heinrich. General Henry. I, oh, nice. I like this one. He says, It's not evangelical practice to cast the pearls before swine, but much less is it evangelical practice to keep them in one's pocket. <laughs> yeah, really. What, what was really? what was going on at the time of Schwann, and what was he uh, what was he doing? You have about maybe a minute uh, to talk a about minute. Schwann. Oh my goodness. Well, he was a he was a nephew of Friedrich Winnick and the second president of the Senate. He came from Brazil and uh, came to the United States without a call in 1850 via Germany, via Brazil. And he was called to a little church around here in Missouri called Salem Blackjack, which still exists and is a large going concern. And uh, he stayed there for about a year and a half. Then he got called to Cleveland, and he served his entire ministry in Cleveland, and also while being president of the Senate from 1878 to 1899, and he went through a lot of internal challenges and growth in the Missouri Synod, but uh, his, too, was a consistent message of repentance, and he was, while the Missourians are always very theologically conservative, they believe in being very liberal with the gospel. Nice. Well, that's, I'll give you 200 more points for the uh, president and 200 more for the uh Answer there, bringing you to a total of 800 points so far. We still have a couple more presidents to go if we can get to it. Although Evan has to award me some points. Before you came <laughs> on, Matt, we gave each other buzzwords. Well, really, Evan gave me a buzzword, uh, non posse peccatum. 
Yeah, or peca- what was it? Posse non peccare uh, was his buzzword for me, and since I used it, he's going to give me some points. Except, eh? except he didn't. Really? Except he didn't well, use the Latin. Posse non peccare. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's so right. That's he didn't. Right. He didn't use the Latin, so that's a deduction. I didn't catch it. It's true. So he gets 500 points, but minus 100 for failing to use the Latin. So 400, uh, so 400 to 200. Harrison is uh, really blowing me out of the water, and uh, <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh, Schwan, we have a couple more uh, left, uh, presidents well, left, and we'll get to it on the other side of the break, huh? That's right. We'll, we'll take this quick break. We'll be right back. Uh, more with Matthew Harrison, director of LCMS Road Relief and Human Care, and is the author of the brand-new book, At Home in the House of My Fathers, Presidential Sermons, Essays, Letters, and Addresses from the Missouri Senate's Great Era of Unity and growth. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show with Evan Gigline and Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. We want to hear from you, our listeners. Call our listener response line, 866-851-5523, or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. More with Matt Harrison right after this. If you're not easily embarrassed, tell your friends about Table Talk Radio. Hi, this is Evan Gigline. Thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio. Have you ever wanted to be a radio clown yourself? Now you can with the Table Talk Radio Reformation Glee Club membership. This is my favorite Reformation Glee Club. Really? Tell them how we uh, sign up for the Reformation Glee Club. Yeah, why don't you tell them that, Evan? Oh, well, you just go to our website at tabletalkradio.org and click the support tab. Why don't you tell us uh, the different levels? Uh, yeah, why don't, why don't you tell them that? <laughs> okay, well, there's the radio clown, the table talk radio pietist, the iron listener, or the theological bull rider. Yeah. Why don't you tell them what we get? Uh, yeah, why, why don't you tell them that? <laughs> well, if you sign up for the Reformation Glee Club, you get table talk radio points for every dollar you donate. Oh, nice. Love those radio points. We really do appreciate all the support for Table Talk Radio so we can continue to bring you everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. What's the matter with the clothes I'm wearing? Can't you tell that your tie's too wide? Maybe I should buy some old tab collars. Welcome back to the age of jive. Where have you been hiding out lately, honey? And we're back to Table Talk Radio. We uh, are on the line with Matt Harrison. He's the director of LCMS World Relief and Human Care and author of the brand new book, At Home in the House of My Fathers. But his uh, most distinguished accomplishment is that he is beating me in points (laughs) in Table Talk Radio here, playing Name That Early LCMS President. (laughs) Not only that, but he doesn't even need all the quotations that you give him. I know. I got all these quotations lined up, and he just needs two words to guess these guys. <laughs> all right. Will you have another one for him? I do. All right, Matt. Here it is. For, for 200 points, name this LCMS president. We will not tolerate it that the souls freed and purchased by the blood of Christ be brought again under the yoke of any little Lutheran pope. 
for by God's grace they have escaped the disgraceful servitude of the Roman Pope and Antichrist. We will protest and warn against this as well as and as clearly as we can. Where this newly arisen hierarchy will not let go of its errors, we will seek to restrict its growth. Yeah, you know, the, the intensity with which uh, the Missouri Synod, especially in its early years, rejected Roman Catholicism can only be understood in the context of the fact that uh, Rome excommunicated Luther and condemned the gospel of free grace, that is, salvation only by gift of God, received only by faith. And because then Rome had condemned the gospel, uh, Luther responded in kind, uh, believing that uh, Rome was anti-Christian. Now, he also said, uh, you will find many Christians within the Roman Catholic Church because there is baptism, Lord's Supper, and uh, the scriptures read, the gospel is heard, etc., and we still believe that very intensely. In the 19th century, of course, uh, Rome in 1854 had advanced the Marian dogma uh, of the, uh, uh, the, uh, the Immaculate Conception of Mary and then later the Assumption of Mary, and then also the papal dogma in 1870, I believe, saying that whatever the Pope says officially ex cathedra uh, is infallible. And so uh, the Lutherans responded with equal intensity, uh, even as Rome still today rejects the uh, idea that the, rejects the fact that Lutherans have clergy, real clergy, and have the Lord's Supper. Rome says that we do not have the Lord's Supper because we don't have a properly ordered clergy. And Rome also still uh, sells indulgences, uh, gives indulgences for things. I saw the bones of uh, Mary Magdalene, a shin bone or a thigh bone of Mary Magdalene, was was uh, traveling the country here recently for All Saints, and uh, indulgences were properly offered for that. So that, quote, that quotation is simply saying that uh, the Christian's conscience is not bound uh, what we believe is not bound by what anybody, uh, any one bishop says, be it the Bishop of Rome or any other bishop or anybody. We uh, believe in the sola scriptura, that is the Bible alone tells us what to believe, and neither do we believe that the Bible requires an Episcopal authority in the Church. While the Bible does speak positively of the bishops and uh, overseers, those are all pastors, and they have responsibility, and there's a human ordering in the church, which we voluntarily subject ourselves to out of love for Christ and one another. Uh, but uh, nobody, no, uh, nobody has the right to uh, tell us what they may, what we must believe, other than Holy Scripture. So, Winnikin writes that piece, Frederick Winnikin, and uh, he uh, simply continues the. Lutheran view that the Bible and nothing else shall establish an article of faith in the church. You are right for 200 more points. 400 more points. Am I giving out points like a... It's pretty good. I, you know, the book is 826 pages long, and I can't even, you know, I can't even remember when I finished it now. I was kind of worried about whether I'd actually know the quotations you're quoting. <laughs> Oh, I got you covered. I, by the way, though, what, does he does Winnikin have something in mind when he talks about this little Lutheran pope? I mean, does he have a um, the, well, the church the structure in Germany, or that, uh, in the, the early experience of the Missouri Synod, uh, the Saxons came over, not Winnikin, but the Saxons. He was a Hanoverian, 
and he came over in 1838. Uh, but the Saxons came over 38, 39, about the same time to St. Louis, and they had a terrible experience with uh, the Bishop Martin Stefan, who assumed authority in matters beyond uh, the Word of God, and also in temporal matters of this colony of about 900 people that came off and came over and got off the boat uh, in St. Louis. And then, when it, uh, then Stefan was caught in some infidelity and uh, removed from the colony. And then the colony was immediately thrown into great disillusionment over whether they were, in fact, a church, had a right to exist, whether their pastors were real pastors, and therefore whether the Word of God was effective among them and whether they had the baptism of sacraments. Walther immediately dove into Luther's writings, especially on the institution of the ministry and other things, and determined, yes, where the gospel is and the word of God, there is the church, and there, wherever believers are, they have the right, uh, as such, to call uh, and ordain pastors. Nice, and that is part of the freedom of the church. This is, there's this big concern, and this is, I mean, it's, it's not just from Luther. I mean, it runs from St. Paul all the way back to the prophets, even from the words of creation of our Lord, this idea that there's, uh, that the Lord has freedom for his people. Uh, so, so Paul says, let no one then wrap you up in this yoke of bondage, you who have been set free by Christ. Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And this is a strong... Um, this was a strong theme throughout Luther's teaching, and it seems like it's a very strong theme whenever the Lutherans get together to order themselves. I mean, constitutionally or bylaws or all this, all the structure stuff, all the um, things that we have to, to where we live our lives together, that the freedom that the Christian has is of highest importance. Yeah, Luther writes the freedom of the Christian man. If somebody's out there and wants to read some Luther that is particularly gripping and uh, it's brief. It's The Freedom of the Christian Man, 1520. I'm sure it's available online in all kinds of different places. But Luther there says, based on Galatians, that the Christian under the gospel is perfectly free, subject to none, Lord of all, but the Christian, for the sake of love, is the dutiful bond, servant of all, subject to all. And so every Christian has glorious freedom, not freedom beyond the Word of God, but freedom and to live uh, in a God-pleasing way. But that freedom, then, is not used to serve self, but that freedom is used to serve our neighbors and those around us in love in a uh, joyous and voluntary fashion. And it's a great way to live. Yeah, that reminds me of one of these theses of unevangelical practice. We passed that on earlier, but that, well, that's just some marvelous stuff. It talks about how um, uh, in the gospel, we we do expect to see uh, faith expressing itself in love, but as far as how that love is expressed, uh, uh, what it looks like, trying to quantify it or something like this, this is this is absent from the evangelical practice of Lutheran Church. Yeah, and the great thing about Lutheranism is it affirms everyday vocation. So, being a pastor, for instance, is no more holy than being a lowly servant somewhere because God needs and uses people in all kinds of different vocations, whether son or daughter, father, mother, wife, spouse. Uh, Luther says uh, when a father, he says specifically, when a father changes the diaper of a child, he should say, behold, whatsoever you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it also unto me. So that 
in that act, there is a great holiness. In Rome, it was believed at the time of the Reformation that priests uh, and monks are beyond the Ten Commandments. They do even holier deeds, and they do so many holy deeds, they get more than they need for salvation by the end of their life, and so those deeds can be given to other people. And uh, Luther rejects that completely and says, being a pastor is a holy and sacred vocation, but no holier than, and sac- more sacred than any other vocation. And Christians then have the freedom to choose different vocations and know for sure under the law we make all of our choices are mixed with sin, but under the gospel we're completely forgiven and for free and, and uh, as long as we don't hurt and harm other people or do something that's in and of, of itself sinful, we are free to follow our dreams do what we enjoy, and uh, to live life with gusto. Marvelous. And, and you don't probably have works of supererogation, but you, uh, Matt Harrison, do have points of supererogation. You have 1,200 points now. Uh, to my lowly 400, Evan doesn't have any. Uh, <laughs> so you are uh, you are the champion today. But I was really excommunicated. I was excommunicated. <laughs> you do have that to your name. Okay. <laughs> Uh, that's exciting. You gonna play Queen on the uh, bumper music going out? Uh, no, I, I should have. I don't, I don't have that loaded. <laughs> Too bad. Very good. Well, uh, Matt Harrison Wait, was Freddie Mercury in the Lutheran song? I don't know. I have to look it up. I don't think so. I don't think so either. We need to, we need to play that. Fotenhauer either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt Harrison. Thank you so much for joining us today on Table Talk Radio. Hey, what a pleasure. That was that was Matt Harrison. He's the director of LCMS Road Relief and Human Care, and also the uh, author of the brand new book, At Home in the House of My Fathers. Thank you all for listening this week to Table Talk Radio, where the points are like coercion in the church, absolutely useless. <laughs> I think that's funny. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to question at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening. And tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.